0: Hello and welcome to another Architecture Podcast. I'm George Bradley, architect and director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. Every fortnight, I talk to a different architect from around the world to discuss an inspiring house that they have designed. In this episode, I talk to the architect Amos Goldreich, founder of London-based studio Amos Goldreich Architecture. We discuss his latest project, A House for a Gardener, a renovation of a typical London-Victorian terraced property designed for a couple and what Amos describes as the third client, their plants. At the heart of this home is a covered courtyard designed to create optimum conditions for the plants which breathe life into the property. We also discuss the shelter for domestic abuse that Amos has designed in Israel and I find out how having two parents as architects has influenced his work. You can find images and links with further information on the episode page at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello Amos, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi George,
1: thanks thanks for inviting me.
0: Um, so we are going to be talking about your well, a recent project of yours, um, house for a gardener. Um, but I'm um, also on this podcast. We are you know, talking about home and um, and designing homes, and I want to know also be finding out more about you as an architect and how you approach um designing houses and particularly we'll be touching on as well of of, of one of your key projects that's not necessarily a home but is is certainly related to um the realm of of designing for homes um and the the shelter that you've designed um in israel um but maybe what i'd like to do is just if we're starting with with finding out a little bit more about you um i'm going to take you right back to um to, you know how you got into architecture in the first place, what was kind of your your routine in and your driver for for doing what you do today
1: um, interesting question uh, I think I was brainwashed by my parents um, <laughs> because they were both so they sadly passed away about ten years ago. But my father was a uh, professor of architecture among many things uh, state head designer and artist, and my mother. Was an interior architect um so i was breathing and living kind of design around me since uh my childhood um initially i wanted to be an artist uh then my mother said that you can't make money from art um which i mean so damien hurst seems to make <laughs> make, 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 make a good living but um I was interested in industrial design but I think uh, maybe kind of lacked some of the technical skills. Um and then uh an opportunity came to kind of try out architecture and then I was I was hooked. So um I, yeah so like I said you typical kind of brainwashed but um kind of came came to it uh uh not 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 kind of directly
0: well not not typical so, so you, you came from an architecture dynasty would you say then this family of uh both both in architecture yes um, and um, what was this opportunity that's, that was the first one that got you introduced to it
1: um so i i was born in israel and i grew up in israel and uh opportunity came to uh so in, in Israel after high school, you have to do a compulsory military service for for three years. Um, and it's 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 quite a big kind of chunk of your life and and a kind of a pause between kind of high school and and starting out in the world. Um, so I had this opportunity to leave Israel and, and come to the UK um, and uh, started studying here, architecture. Um, initially, kind of thought to go into a foundation course just to see if 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 it, it is for me or or not. Um, but was recommended to do first year, and and I was hooked. Um, yeah, so the, the the rest is history.
0: And um, so you, you're predominantly known for for doing residential architecture, and that that's why you're on the podcast because you, you've designed so many beautiful houses. Was that something that? Um, you know it's not this, there's so many things that you can do in architecture there's yeah. so many you know I know I fell in love with the idea of skyscrapers and and things like that but was, was designing homes something that you would have said to your sort of 20 year old self that you could have seen yourself being a sort of specialist in or did you did you come to it from a, a different angle?
1: I think so I've always uh, had a fascination and still do a bit of um, always wanted to design a a sacred space so um, a a place of worship Um, um, and i think uh, for a lot of young practices it's kind of the default that you start out uh, doing uh, residential projects it's it's the it's the one sector that i guess um you're not quite you're not that limited in terms of kind of size um of 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 a practice um the the scale of kind of budgets and and briefs are, are are manageable to for for a small practice so um i don't think it was a a kind of a known decision that this is kind of the the direction that we that i want to kind of head to um, in terms of kind of the practices that I've worked for before starting, um, it was most of kind of bigger practices, uh, working on schools and public buildings, um, which is still an, an an interest that I have. Um, but um, we're quite um, happy where where we are at the moment. Um, Private residential is the majority of our work um, at the moment um, uh, but um, we we're always open for 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 other other opportunities or or other projects in in in, in, in different sectors mm mm-hmm.
0: I think it's interesting. I mean, with me and Ewald, and when we set up the practice, we came from a background of larger public buildings and larger offices and just felt, we felt there was something missing. And that seems to be a sort of commonality between other architects that do work on residential work like we do. Did you ever feel that there was something missing of that direct contact with the people that you're impacting and designing for that you could gain by by working with families and designing homes.
1: Yes, that's, no, that's, that's a very good point because I think when you're working on a, on a big public building, your, your client is not necessarily the end user. Mm. And, and this is where our strengths are as, as, as architects that we, we, we change people's lives. So, um, and, and especially in, in, in a public building, um, uh, you, you, most likely, will never meet the 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 end user. Um, you'll you'll meet the, the 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 immediate kind of user who's probably kind of running run, running the building, or, or is the client donating money or, or something. Mm. Um, so you almost, I guess, there's a challenge in that that you sort of need need to preempt uh, the behavior of of the end user to to really. Um, make sure that your design kind of fits, fits to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the interesting thing in that is that sometimes the end user, the way they end up using the house or sorry, end up using the, the the building that you design is not necessarily what the, your client intended.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, let's take it to to the now and present and um, house for a gardener is it is your latest project, uh, I believe, um, or, or one of your most recent ones. And um, what does that project sort of mean to you in terms of as a culmination of the years that you've been practicing and designing homes, this being your latest one? What do you think you've achieved here in, in designing this house?
1: I think um, it has certainly been uh, a collaboration between us and and the clients uh, and a uh, a clear kind of um, presentation of, of the way we approach um, design and and how we approached um, house design. So we're very much client-focused and clients really become part, part of the team uh, from day one. We don't expect them to to draw or to build models, um, but we do expect them to, to think hard about what they want uh, because... As as you know, or uh, listeners know, uh, the brief is is very key, um, and they the clients uh, Graham and Steve um, both come from kind of a property world. Um, they, they have a very good uh, sense of kind of style and taste. Uh, they are aware of kind of trends, so they they came with a very clear. Kind of brief, or, or kind of even sort of um, aspirations or, or outcomes that they wanted from from the project, um, and it's um, so the chemistry between us was was very important, um, and uh, it worked very well, and we gelled with them, um, which I think is 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 apparent in the in in the final design.
0: And and do you often get a sense of that early on? If, if somebody's coming to you as a as a client and they want you to design their home, and in this instance with these clients, did you get that sense straight away? Because you mentioned about um, you know you like clients to sort of work hard as well in terms of engaging with the brief, but these were work quite well prepared clients yes. in in one sense.
1: Well, with with every client, uh, I give them homework for, from from the day from from day one. So I yeah. send them away, and so we have a very Long uh, questionnaire for about almost a hundred questions, uh, and I kind of tell them, "Listen, it's it's a very personal service. We have a short period of time that we have to get to know you, so know your good habits and bad habits. It's a bit it's a bit like dating, really, <laughs> um, and and it's about building that 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 chemistry. Um, sometimes you don't have that 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 chemistry, and and things mm-hmm. because of that." Either don't don't progress beyond uh, the appointment, or or then they result in some clashes along 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 the way. Um, um, and beside the, those questions, we also ask clients to list down all their wishes, um, even the wildest uh, wishes, um, and even things that they might think are too expensive a it might not be expensive and at least when it's on paper that's the kind of start of of the brief uh, and and our kind of collaboration um so some clients have either had um, experience in working with a client uh, with a with an architect or mm-hmm. they've come from that kind of world so they come very prepared with their kind of mood boards and lists and 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 ideas um some it's for for a lot of them it's 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 the first time they they engage with an architect and it's the biggest sort of expense mm. in in their life um so with them we need to kind of work slightly harder um but um but th- and they- that 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 stage is very important
0: and it's the, that analogy of it being like dating is that is it interestingly has come up a few times on the podcast talking to to various architects. But here, slightly different, we're talking about dating, but with homework as well. Yes. <laughs> um, have you have you ever had um, clients that haven't been very good at doing their homework and uh, <laughs> haven't done the legwork? Um.
1: I guess yeah the, you you do have the the occasion um and it just means that maybe that that initial kind of dating process might might stretch a bit longer mm-hmm. um uh, and for us as well as as the architects uh, it's a slightly harder work so um I mean, with with every uh, project, we we kind of take uh, the initial brief, or, or or let's say there there isn't a brief. Um, mm-hmm. So we would kind of go away and produce a few options, um, and then I think for for a lot of clients, um, seeing that initial uh, kind of concept and sketches or or kind of models, then that kind of ignites in them um, the the excitement. Mm. Uh, um and 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 then they start really to feed you with 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 their um with their ideas and and so on so they so so with some clients they they kind of need you to 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 feed them a bit with 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 information and then Hmm.
0: um i think that's interesting that it's the drawing those concept drawings at the beginning now you mention it they they can be a very useful tool as a sort of provocation sometimes. So not yeah. necessarily just an inspiration of this drawing is going to answer all your dreams, but yeah. some, do you find you sometimes do drawings to kind of help somebody define not necessarily what they do like, but also what they maybe don't like. And it,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, in a lot of cases, what happens is that they might pick up an idea from one drawing and, a, and another sketch. And then it's our job then to combine that into a third option for instance um Mm -hmm. so there's a a lot of kind of mix mix and match uh between the different different options um there's never a kind of a one solution um but um it's it's about um that side of architecture is a a bit like a jigsaw um and there's always good in, in in the end, there's always a solution that that mm. works uh, and answer and ticks kind of the budget and their brief and and things like that. But but it's that process of finding it, um, which is very interesting and, and exciting.
0: So that process then here with house for a gardener. Um, what what did you learn about the clients and what did it kind of result in um, in terms of initial ideas? How did you come out of the the dating period? Let's say.
1: Well we came out of the dating um realizing that there's a third client, um which is very interesting in this project and probably the listeners can guess from, from, from the title. Um <laughs> but um so Graham is a keen gardener. Um and actually his plants became our third client. Um so they and had even though they couldn't speak, they they were um, speaking through through Graham um, and uh, it was uh, from day one it was important to protect the garden, protect the the plants in it that um, um, and quickly um, part of the the initial design and and the one thing that kind of drove the the design forward is as an internal courtyard. Uh, which is located uh between the kind of in front and bank uh and back room, kind of the reception room in a typical victorian terrace and and the new extension, which is the kitchen uh and that internal courtyard houses a specific type of plants that are more sensitive to cold for instance and 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 things like that so um yeah, so we had we had the the overall brief and very specific um, for the, the house and and the kitchen extension, but then we had a, a separate uh, brief for for the plants, um, which um, influenced, for instance, the um, some of the timing on site and the completion date, and it had to kind of coincide with uh with the season um and we had to find a temporary home for some of the plants um so it was it was it was very interesting
0: Mm. and so in terms of context i mean here we're talking about a very typical london victorian terrace property long narrow neighbors either side there's no real sort of expansive space to open out into And, and the typical thing that's done is this side infill is filled in with construction to create an open plan space. But as you mentioned, what you've done here is you've placed an internal courtyard in the space between the old house, between the new extension at the back and then sandwiched in also on both sides by a neighbor and, and a kitchen. Now these internal courtyards, I've seen these done a few times and not been successful. They've been, they've been kind of, underwhelming or they've been kind of dark and they felt a bit like a kind of leftover service kind of courtyard. When you proposed this one here, what, what made you confident that it was going to turn into the space that it, it has actually become, which is a successful, um, a successful version of bringing um, this outside space inside? What, what was it that made you confident and how did you, um, did you, did you need to convince these clients as well that this was a good idea?
1: well, um, the initial kind of so in in a sense, maybe we had some luck with that um from the outset because it it's something that that the client has thought about as well mm-hmm. um I think the success of that courtyard is the fact that it's 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 relatively big um sometimes these uh, these internal courtyards are seen more like a, like a light well, and they're um, they they're quite small, um, and you can't kind of do much with them. Um, this has a, a, a decent size to it because it had to house um, plants, so it is it is used as a as another sort of means of accessing uh, the kitchen, uh, but it also has a completely uh, glazed roof. Uh, which brings in a lot of light into uh, the back reception room, which is always uh, the the dark bit in 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 those kind of Victorian terraces. Um, so that that's a huge um, uh, improvement, um, and it's another it's a it's another link uh, a visual link to to the garden, and then there's another sort of connection within the extension to it. Um, so. Um, as as a as a space, it's it's fully glazed, um, so it's got uh, glazed doors on, on 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 either side. So you can you can shut the space, or you can uh, completely kind of open it to 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 the rest of the house.
0: I think that's the thing that's that's interesting about this as well is that because it is glazed on the top, so it's not open to the elements as such in terms of uh, what well, the elements mm. rain and wind. But mm. is it but is, is it insulated glass that's above there, and why is it why is it glazed all the way around if if you've got a glass roof on there what would have been different had you left it all open internally and and just had it as a as a glazed kind of part of the kitchen
1: well it's got um it's got humidity kind of control so um at times it needs to be kind of closed um part of the roof does open so um it's not a completely flat there's a, a sort of an, an angled side to the roof be, which was kind of governed by the na- um, uh, neighbor property and it was something that the kind of the planners uh, insisted on so that sort of added to to the complexity of this glass uh, roof uh, and the engineering so that um, angled roof is the element that opens um, so that was kind of complicated to to design and and make it work so it is it is it is it works on a on a rain sensor and it's sort of a motorized opening um and i guess the client just wanted to have that extra flex flexibility um of of being able to um open it or close it um yeah
0: So it's a very controlled environment, then it's not like if somebody was looking at this project and thinking, I'm going to emulate that I'm, I want one of these. Um, It's not just a case then that you've, you've just created an open space to let the light in the humidity, the air quality, the heat, everything is responding to the, to the plants in there. So I guess that's what you sort of what you were saying right at the beginning of this very close collaboration with the client. There's a lot of clearly expert knowledge from from the owner of these plants and knowing the conditions they need. Do you think that's something that maybe gets overlooked a lot of, you know, cosmetic architecture, let's say if we want some nice plants, we want some nice light, but just not thinking about the quality of the space. Definitely. And I think, um, you've touched on a important thing, uh, which
1: I think will, will become more and more apparent in, in the next couple of years or even the, the immediate year, uh, uh, with um, the effect that plants have on on our life, uh, with all the recent research and and the and the buzzword of of well being, mm. um, so uh, yeah, there's plants that are very good in kind of clearing uh, the air from toxic. Uh, so yeah, in in the past, I think uh, we took sort of plants for for granted and kind of placed them. Kind of in, in the interior space without really kind of thinking, but but actually there's there's a whole science uh, behind them, um, and uh, and projects like that, especially for us, um, really got us um, thinking about plants in in, in a different way, um, and how they can improve uh, life of of the um,
0: occupiers and how can they work with with the architecture as well and do you think there's that something learning from the client here specifically because I, I often think it's 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 really interesting in the architecture profession that it we get a lot of credit for everything that that we do and and it's it's usually us it's less so the the builders and the engineers and and even the clients to a certain extent but actually i, I always find that any sort of skill that i might have as an architect is gained from learning from everybody all these people that i've been working with and particularly clients like there's so much knowledge that comes from clients that makes their houses amazing that's but it just so happens that then goes on the architect's instagram (laughs) profile um but was that the case here a a lot of learning from from that client definitely
1: definitely. um yeah yeah these clients have lived in that house for kind of 30 years. so um and in the end of the day what um anything that we design um um we don't design it to for, for ourselves we design it f- for them so so it, it the design needs, needs to fit with their uh with their lifestyle and 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 um and uh, kind of aspirations and and so um, um sometimes i think Perhaps architects need to perhaps maybe listen more to to the, the clients, um, and and especially on on domestic projects.
0: Mm. And so then in this project, um, and after having gone through that initial period and, and talked about ideas and things, um, what what was the sort of was there a moment here where there was a, a kind of big idea on this project, or did it gradually just sort of start? evolving bit by bit and if there was a moment can you kind of describe you know what that was was there a turning point on this project where there was the kind of the hit go button
1: the initial uh idea was uh, and it's something that i guess was developed at, at the planning stage uh was was the fact of having this this internal courtyard mm-hmm. uh it's quite a say sort of radical idea, but it, it's it's not the first thing that you kind of think about it's um, with a lot of these um, projects and, and spaces it's about kind of maximizing the space. Um, so um, so that was um, a key a key element in, in the project. And then, sort of post planning, uh, where we started to think about uh, the internal arrangement and the internal language, um, what was sort of clear to us that we we had some limitations in kind of the floor to um, to ceiling height, uh, which was kind of determined by by the planners. Um, yes, you you can build uh, up to three meters. Um, high extension, uh, but uh, in this case uh, there were some limitations imposed by by the neighbouring properties, um, uh, and we we actually uh, introduced uh, an element into the design uh, which got tested in a different project of ours, um, in in a project called Almington Street, which is just. Literally around the corner, it's, it's also in in Frinsby Park, where we uh, th- that was also an infill um, extension, uh, where we exposed uh, the beams that hold uh, the the roof of that extension, um, and uh, it, it is a it is a design element which is quite sort of trendy at at, at the moment. Uh, it's been very trendy and kind of 60s and 70s as sort of case study houses and, and, and so on, and it's suddenly having having a, a comeback. Um, but it's that idea of uh, celebrating the structure rather than hiding it um, and the fact that you can gain uh, a bit more headroom uh, by placing all the insulation and the roof kind of covering um, above the beams. So that, that really helped... Um, us uh, in this particular particular project and and it became uh, a language uh, within the space uh, within uh, there are a series of roof lights um, and uh, that um, are sort of determined by by the the location of, of these beams so there's there's a kind of an, an order to to the roof lights and uh, in in the ceiling um, the beams themselves are made out of um, kind of s- steel and 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 timber, but we chose then to clad them in in, in oak, just to kind of unify them and um, um, and that oak is kind of repeated elsewhere, so it, it goes into the the sort of reveals or the sides of of the roof lights themselves, and then there's a um, there's an up and over. Uh, sort of window seat uh, which is um, the the window and the roof is completely glazed and then all the sides are the same um, oak finish as as in the as as which 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 covers the the beams Um, so this this became a very i guess the second biggest um, Mm. element in the design which is quite striking when, when you come into the space
0: and it gives that it is that key feature in the if you're in the kitchen space. It, there's almost a kind of golden glow to the the timber that's that's in this kitchen that gives the warmth that contrasts, I suppose, more with the the white walls and, yeah. and light coloured floors and things. As a sort of palette, there's this fairly neutral kind of whites and speckled tones of the kitchen and the terrazzo and things. There's the greenery, and then this this orange yellow of the timber and you mentioned about celebrating the structure um maybe again because this is that one of those typical kind of london projects as a scope of what you're working with as a blank canvas now you mentioned about the ceiling height and in the kitchen usually it's an existing space and the ceiling's low because there's there's rooms above but you talked about celebrating the structure as an that gave you an opportunity um to open up the space more now these beams that you're talking about they run across the ceiling of the kitchen yeah. what what is that doing then is that allowing you to create more more volume here or are you dropping the beams um lower what's what's the what's what do you think's happening here in terms of the benefit of celebrating the structure
1: um it allows you to give a bit more volume in certain areas um so when you look at the space or at the ceiling, there's some areas where the ceiling is flush with the underside of the beam, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's some areas where either it goes, the ceiling kind of goes into uh, a roof light, so that's where where, where you get a, a, a sort of a better headroom, or it just goes into into sort of a plasterboard ceiling, which is which is kind of in line with with the top of the beam. Mm-hmm. Um, what what governs what happens where is really uh down to the to the function uh below uh particularly so uh along where where the kitchen counters um uh, the ceiling is is at at its sort of highest location uh just because of uh conveniency uh in some areas uh where especially as you move towards uh the exit to to the garden they become uh, sort of flush flush with the beam maybe more um, so it it just creates this sort of hierarchy within the space but also within with, within, within the ceiling
0: mm-hmm. and then the the up and over um, window that you described is facing onto the garden and it's yep. it's quite a tall narrow window and it's in in the sense of a sort of Georgian proportion of of a window but as you said then the glass goes up, meets the roof and comes back. So it's kind of a roof light and a window combined and there's nothing blocking that corner. What I, I really care. like about what you've done is, it's it's as you said, it's all lined in timber. And I talk a lot with clients about thinking not only about lights and about view, but the light coming into the property, what's it bouncing off? What's it hitting yep. when it comes yep. into the space? Um, is Was that a, an important sort of feature here for for this window and was this i mean is this the kind of th- do you think everyone should have one of these on their house definitely i mean i love um
1: we we so we we started doing these sort of uh punched uh windows or kind of uh a modern adaptation of um kind of bay bay, bay windows um uh, also at that um Almonton Street project and and that's something that we kind of tried to uh copy and paste and 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 improve on 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 other projects um they're great because they they bring in quite a lot of light um but they also function as the as a kind of window seat and it and it's actually really nice to sit inside that window uh, and be surrounded by by the warmth of of the timber but then having having that that glass Almost kind of window skylight, like like you described. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it sort of pushes you into the garden. Um, um, you also talked. You mentioned light, and I think especially in London, uh, we we crave yeah. for for more light. Um, it's quite grey today, um, and uh, I think at a at a day like this, which is kind of a typical london day um uh, to be in a space which is filled with light and you and uh, um um is 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 a huge benefit and it it, it makes everyone happy mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I like, you know, you're talking about Almington Street, this project that's round the corner and this, um, I think, a very, you know, specialising in residential work. It's only natural that you're going to be learning off some projects and passing on that learning to, to others. Um, and maybe now is a sort of good point to, to touch on a little bit on this, another project that you've done fairly recently in Israel, which is the shelter for victims of domestic abuse. And... Um, what i'm interested in with that project is um not only is it a sort of it's a well it's a it's a fascinating project it's very uh you know for it's it jumps out in terms of the projects that you 've done and mostly houses in in london and then suddenly whoa there's yeah. this <laughs> sort of big project in in israel um obviously there there must be ties back to family links and 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 family in Israel in terms of location um And maybe you could tell me a little bit about that. But first of all, just interested in this idea of the project as providing shelter. So thinking about home in a sort of wider context and what home particularly means. Um, And to people that this, this shelter is clearly extremely important to. And how you've applied learning from working with families and working on private homes to then applying that knowledge and that creativity to a brief like a, a as this shelter for, for victims
1: okay um now that that's been a really interesting and very challenging project um i must say that it's been a uh, a collaboration between us and a firm in israel called yacob zianiv architects who are very close friends of mine and um um they were involved from from the outset Um we can couldn't have done it on on, on our own. Um, I guess I need to just maybe slightly explain a bit about the chronological aspect of this project because uh, it actually... The idea of that project started a long time before I started my own uh, practice. Right. Um, it is in Israel. It, it, we I have a very... Uh, strong personal connection to to the project it was initially initiated by my late mother Um, she went to school with uh, a fascinating woman called ruth rasnick who later became our client Uh, she's in her late 80s Um, she sort of started uh, a charity called no to violence in israel in in the 70s um she's a key figure in israel in kind of uh women's rights and, and family rights um and my family wanted to uh do a project in memory of my grandmother who was uh, a true feminist at a, at a period where feminism wasn't uh unknown kind of word or um uh and it initially it was it was kind of an an idea um that project from the day we they had this initial kind of idea um it took nine years to realize to mm-hmm. to to complete the project because um we were faced by six years of nimby which is a a great <laughs> um english um or British, um, what do you call it? Terum. Yeah. Uh, that stands for not in my backyard. <laughs> um, so the site um, for the shelter is in um, a town north of Tel Aviv. Um, it was uh, initially designated as a kind of a public building by the municipality, and then they decided to. Uh, give it to to the charity for use as a as a shelter uh, and from the day the neighbors have heard of of the intended use, they've started a very lengthy and serious uh legal battle against the charity and against the municipality uh to prevent uh from this development um, mm-hmm. from from happening um they were determined uh to stop it uh they were worried that it will devalue their their properties so it's the site is surrounded by private homes and kind of flats um it and it was a very um strange and kind of difficult period because although we we started to have initial discussions with with the clients the the charity um there was no design uh at all, uh, it was still a, still just an idea and and an an empty site, uh, and we had to sort of defend uh, the the future building um, without knowing how it's going to look and, and and so on. Um, so that 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 process took six years, and it reached the high courts many times. In the end, uh, it was overruled, um, and the charity the neighbors lost uh, lost their case and the charity won and that's when we we, we started uh, designing it so um, by that time I guess we were already uh, working in the uh, on, on private private projects uh, we had the benefit of working with with our friends in Israel that also uh, already were, were an established firm there working on 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 private projects as well, um, so that kind of helped us um, inform um, some of the design, um, and um, I'm I'm always when I always think about that that project I'm. Drawn to uh, a statement um, that our client uh, said that it's it's a home away from home. Um, it is it is a temporary home, uh, but it's a it's a home that saves lives um, for the residents. They can stay there up to nine months, um, and it is it is a shelter, and it's um, um, it provides safety and provides um, as Ruth was saying that um, children that live in that home uh, they can be children again um, mm-hmm. it allows them to smile and it allows them to play um, and and potentially kind of um, re reestablish establish their life and um so that when they live, leave leave uh, the shelter uh, they leave into a more stable stable home and, and and life
0: and how as a designer how did how were you able to help with that how were you able to create a space a physical space a physical construction um that could enable that sense of a home from home and that sense that children could could play very
1: good question um when we started designing we so when 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 you look at shelters around the world um and and also in israel um the majority of them have they have not been designed um to purpose so um in most cases these are actually existing family homes um Mm. of of a large scale that's been sort of converted and um they've been spaces have been added on throughout the years um and they were never kind of really designed for for that purpose um um, some of them work a lot of them don't kind of work space-wise there's a lot of uh sort of dead areas there's not they're not that safe for children um so that was a good starting point of what not to do um and then um we knew that uh f- for this project to work um we we had to uh, look at a, a completely new new typology and uh the sort of the references that came to mind um and were kind of influenced by by the the location of the shelter and by by the client as well is um, that sense of the of the kibbutz in in Israel. So that social aspect of um, creating a building that works as a as a sort of a micro micro village um, and um, and and really working on that social. Um, aspect of of the building um, and how the residents would sort of interact with it. Um, So it is, uh, the building itself surrounds a central courtyard, uh, which is sort of the the haven of of the building, and it's the uh, therapeutical sort of heart of it. Um, And it's surrounded by um, 12 rooms that are built, Form-wise, they're built as as sort of houses or as small houses. Uh, they're linked by uh, an internal uh, sort of corridor, which is seen like 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 a street in in the village, and that kind of links uh, these houses with with the different parts parts of of, of the shelter. Um, and that shelter also houses uh, the admin side of, of the charity, so all their offices and helplines and uh, social workers and, 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 and other facilities.
0: So you've mentioned um, the, like the Almington Street project, working on a house and what that sort of gave to you to then apply on the house for a gardener, having now done um, the shelter for the victims of domestic abuse. What has that project given you that, that you are already applying or you might apply on to your next residential project?
1: yeah I, I like that question um it's an interesting one i think on one level it really sort of reaffirmed my belief that we have a power to change people's lives um and i truly kind of believe in that um and it's it's i think it's it's, it's apparent in kind of the from from the Testimonials and and feedback that that we receive from from our clients in in London that's definitely apparent and especially from uh, our client in in israel um, so that's something that really got reaffirmed uh by by the shelter project and and I think realizing it is is a huge um, thing uh to to know that um other things um we, we we had a lot of challenges it, it wasn't an easy project not at all uh the brief was difficult um uh because we had we all almost had two briefs it was the brief of the client and then the brief of the ministry of social affairs um social affairs and that kind of contradicted e- each other um and then it was really working to a very, very tight budget, um, extremely tight. I mean, it's it's a huge surprise that that this building uh, was was completed, uh, but there was a lot of uh, sweat and blood and a lot of tears that went into it. Um, and at, at some point, um, the shelter almost went bankrupt because they 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 rely on only on private donations so there's no government support so i think that sense of um what can be achieved with 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 budgets um is is a good lesson um which i mean london is is an an expensive city and and building a, an extension is an ex, is expensive and it's it's hard to do anything less from a than a i don't know 150k or but um in 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 most cases but i think that um it's kind of knowing that challenges are are good um and it actually forces you to perhaps focus more um and also challenges like that can actually um um help in in the creativity because it it really forces you to to think hard of about um about what can be achieved with that specific kind of budget Mm -hmm. um i think when when you have unlimited kind of funds this is great as well but but you but you can do anything Mm -hmm. you want um so maybe maybe by by having these sort of constraints it it just um uh puts everything in perspective as well, uh, so I think, I think these these have been kind of good lessons. Um, so putting things into perspective uh, the, the, the power that we have as, as architects in in changing people's lives um, and uh, and yeah, I think these these, these 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 are the key key lessons
0: and um there's there's a really lovely video on your website that's um about the shelter and in towards the end of that video you mention about you refer to um the project in israel as as an architecture for hope or i yeah, i think you mention um that it, one thing that you'd like to come out of having worked in this project is to inspire other architects um to maybe invest more in um their sort of skills and knowledge into to projects like this um is is there any are you are you sort of following up are there any other things that you now have that you've been inspired to to want to get involved with having having worked on this project
1: yeah um well sadly i mean this is a sector i think around the world which is underfunded um so it's it's kind of hard to to get projects like that off of off the ground um but it's it's certainly is giving, uh, or it sort of planted seeds uh, for, for for other things um, and, and and a desire to give back to to community. Um, so, um, I'm I'm a member of a think tank called Architects Aware that looks at um, the homeless uh, problem in in the UK. Uh, so it's a Think tank uh, made out up by kind of architects and policymakers. Um, so I'm kind of involved with with projects like that, um, um, and um, and also a sort of an, an internal project that we started, but it hasn't gained yet or me- momentum. Is um, looking at. Uh, Reusing um, empty uh, commercial buildings, um, and there's a lot of them um, in 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 London and, and mm-hmm. around the UK, especially now, uh, as a temporary accommodation or kind of a meanwhile uh, spaces um, that either can be used as sort of shelters uh, for homeless or maybe kind of doubling them also with a with a commercial side that that would um, help. Um, uh, sustain those those shelters economically mm-hmm. um so they it's it certainly has uh the the project in israel has suddenly um left uh, a, a desire to, to to be involved in in more kind of social projects um
0: um, so amos as, a, as an architect you you know i know you well and and have followed your work for a while and you're clearly an architect that as well as designing lovely houses you it, giving back is also very important to you and and that's evidenced by the things that you're involved in and i do think that there is a clear link there that goes back to your grandmother that you mentioned um before and also your mother in in terms of being heavily involved in kind of instigating and, and helping sort of start the the project for the shelter um but also I th- i'd be interested to find out maybe a bit more about the influences from both your parents having been designers architects and, and interior designers um and what influence that has had on on your design and on your on your career
1: um, very nice question thank you George um, I think on one hand it made my life slightly more difficult especially as a student <laughs> yeah uh, because I used to sort of end of year quits at, at uni and then I had a crit at home uh, which which wasn't Ouch. always yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, so that yeah so that's that's kind of one, one side to it Um and i think um i mean without a doubt they they've had an influence and they're still having an influence and for me uh it's perhaps a bit more uh visible or apparent at 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 present because i've gone through sort of a personal journey um uh, after their passing um so when I kind of grew up and especially w- when I was a student they didn't really expose me to, to to the work that they've done i've I've known maybe five or ten percent of of the volume of, of work that they've produced and I don't know exactly why they chose not to uh, maybe they didn't want to influence me in in any way um, and after they've passed away I've discovered their entire archive uh, all in a in sort of a steel uh, sort of container at, at my parents' home, um, all kind of original one um, traces and, and vinyl and uh, hand-drawn details in one-to-one, one-to-two, all kind of pre-CAD, amazing kind of drawings and and projects, and, and a huge, huge volume um, of perhaps. Over a hundred projects, um, so photographs and sketchbooks and drawings and samples and um, a lot of a lot of stuff, um, which I uh, a friend of mine in Israel runs um, a an archive for Israeli architecture, um, and he holds the, the largest archive in Israel. And he was a student of my of my father, um, so there there was that sort of connection. And I gifted kind of their archive to be protected in in, in, in his archive. And together we started working on, on a book about my parents that got published um, just before corona started. And we were meant to have this big launch in Israel. Um, we worked on it for about five years. Um, amazing book um, with uh, research pa- papers um, and then corona and covid um, ruined all our uh, plans for pr and stuff but i think that that journey and having having that that record now um and being able to kind of flip through all the photos and 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 the drawings um has really kind of shown me perhaps where some of the influences um, have come from whether consciously or unconsciously and 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 I'm finding myself that i I keep uh referring back to to kind of things that they've uh kind of designed um, i've also uh had have a recent fascinations with uh sunken lounge or lounges mm-hmm. um and that's something that we 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 had uh at home uh and it's it's a house that my my parents uh designed and um uh so it was primarily kind of open plan but then uh the fact that you can create different spaces within an open plan but just changing uh the the level um so actually the the sort of lounge is is sunken in and there's sort of three or four steps that you go down into Mm -hmm. and the minute you kind of sit within it um you're still in in an open plan space but but uh the, the senses kind of slightly different. Uh, your your eye level kind of changes. Uh, so that's recently something that I've uh, uh, took a, uh, an interest in, and it's uh, something that I'm I'm always I've, I'm following. A, a, there's a, a tag on it on on Instagram, which is which is great <laughs> as, as a as a resource, and it's something that I've uh, we've got a project in. Um, God, where is it? in sussex uh where we've actually introduced kind of a sunken sunken lounge to it and it actually fitted fitted in with with the client's aspiration and realized that they're also a bit of fanatics about sunken lounges so
0: because i remember in the the tv series mad men and in in his apartment there in new york and he had it and kind of thinking at a time, this is going to go crazy. Everyone's going to want um, yeah. <laughs> one of these. But they are. So is that something that was... Did your parents design houses then? Where they Did they do residential architecture?
1: They did a lot of... Res- um, partially, they did a lot of um, sort of hospitality, sort of hotels, um, 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 sort of housing, uh, public buildings, um, a whole, whole mixture of things. But they were very um multidisciplinary in, in their in their kind of design so um, the design jewelry and uh, state set design and exhibition design and uh, yeah um, and a lot of kind of fascination with with materials and qualities of materials um, and kind of designing things for 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 the space so um, very very local. to 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 their environment
0: and so um because Amos, you've got two children um what are you like with them in terms of particularly now i think with with lockdown and everybody working from home i've definitely enjoyed you know sitting here doing drawings and sometimes you know if kids come in i like the idea that they can see me doing that and hopefully there's something (laughs) i don't necessarily want them to become (laughs) architects but you know there might be something sinking in that kind of I don't know whatever it might be but how how do you kind of um because you mentioned your parents maybe sometimes didn't show you didn't you weren't aware of a lot of things they were working on has that affected you and your relationship with your children and your work
1: well I guess I guess we're a bit more exposed to our children now I mean I've got one daughter who's a teenager so she kind of has an Instagram account that she keeps um deleting and then reinstalling it um so there, there's some periods where she would follow or, or like some of our posts um about our project so so you get that again you get either criticized at home for for posting <laughs> the, the the wrong thing or saying the wrong <laughs> thing so so they, they can be quite critical um i do like to kind of share with them things that, that we're we're doing um one daughter is very uh creative but more with words so she she wants to be a writer um and uh i think that's something that i'm as as an architect or designer i'm i'm kind of more visual and uh writing is not my my strongest uh things um so sometimes uh when when i need to describe a project it's it's actually um actually my daughter's uh does contribute just in terms of kind of use of words or or, or grammar um the other daughter is uh showing a lot of interest in creating things um which is great to see um and the sense the the, the fact that we're kind of all all at home um kind of helps and uh she just does enjoy or enjoyed coming coming to the office and kind of seeing seeing how how it all works mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that that's i i guess that the difference between their kind of childhood um with kind of reference to to my profession um in comparison to my kind of childhood is um yeah i guess i wasn't that exposed to to my parents work um although there was a drawing table at home um and occasionally my my parents didn't did work at home it was usually in the middle of the night while i was asleep and then by morning they were kind of off so so the the the, the dynamics are, are different um and I was certainly a lot more kind of na- naive as a child or kind of innocent and mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: yeah I like the idea that maybe one day with this archive of of work that you've got of your parents work that there's probably still stuff in there that you haven't seen that you might come across something one day and be like ah, they did an up and over picture window <laughs> that's where the idea came from <laughs> yeah <laughs> um amos i'm now going to ask you um the three questions that i ask all of my guests on the podcast um and the first one starts with um your home you live in in london with your family um and i want to ask you what is the one thing that really annoys you in your home
1: (laughs) that's that's a great question um especially for for an architect (laughs) so yeah we moved into our home maybe eight eight nine years ago and refurbished it then um and I guess that was kind of the first sort of serious uh project um uh kind of from day one i I told my wife that she's the client and, and I'm the architect so um it, it, it was it was an interesting process um and it was a uh kind of a testing ground maybe for some some ideas that then uh resurfaced in 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 our later work um when you live in your home your own home um and if you did have the opportunity to kind of design aspects of it um you do live with your with your mistakes um and they're really apparent um so there's a skirting detail around a staircase that sometimes annoys me and sometimes i'm kind of um i'm happy about it it was a It was a detail that I didn't fully kind of drone. um, And it was something that was kind of designed on site with the builder. And maybe I've given them a bit too much freedom. Um, But the result is kind of awkward a bit. Um, Another big annoying thing, uh, which I'll never do again. um, We've got um, some big sort of um, glazing from our kitchen to the garden and I chose uh, the, the frame color to be white because the, the intention was, so we've got this sort of extension and it is like a white box. Um, and I thought, well, if I make, make the frames white, they'll kind of disappear and you, you won't really notice them. So you'll just see the glass, uh, which is correct. But then the immediate connotations, when, when you look at it, you think it's a UPVC uh, window. Uh, and it's not, and so so that's that's really annoying. <laughs>
0: I've got I've got white window frames as well, Amos. Yeah, um, but that's because I'm I was technically not allowed to change my windows, and they were UPVC. So I've okay. I've put in metal ones, and they look it's good for me <laughs> that they look like UPVC, so I don't get told off. Yeah. Um, so then the next question is, if you could describe one house that you've visited that's really inspired you, and tell me why.
1: I visited a a lot of sort of houses and buildings. Um, I, w- I would have to say that it's my parents' house. Um, having gone through that sort of journey and um, kind of realizing now things within that house have uh, uh, either intrigued me again or or I can see references within within my my own work. Um, it was a great house to live in um it also i think through that house i realized that our work is never complete and um and was very apparent in that in that house that my parents kept on adding things to it um um either another extension or change something there and another window and so um So it's an interesting thing about architecture and about buildings and the way they, they might evolve, uh, over time, uh, because the, the uses change, uh, maybe the occupants change, um, so, so, so at some point the, the kind of house get, takes on a sort of a life of, of, of its own. Um, it was very, um, What's apparent in that house uh, was kind of the so it is it is built on kind of i guess sort of modernistic uh values uh but there's a lot of or there were a lot of kind of warm materials um uh which were kind of specific to to the location of the house but also uh to their kind of um design ethos um and they're the the masters that they've kind of followed and that that kind of it, in, in, in a lot of ways it's kind of rubbed off rubbed on me as well. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very apparent to it now.
0: And finally, Amos, if you could choose any designer to design you a new home, who would you choose?
1: Ah, uh, uh whew, that's a difficult one. Um I of my idols are dead, so
0: um <laughs> you're allowed you're allowed to bring people back
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i can afford them but um like i'm oscar a is a great uh hero and um but i think he would probably design a lot of curves and which i'm i'm now kind of drawn into curves uh so maybe maybe him um I think any, am I, am I allowed to choose more than one?
0: I mean, it could be a collaboration, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll so give I, you that. <laughs> okay, a
1: collaboration with NIMeyer and any of the case study houses, um, architects. So I've always been fascinated by the California-style uh, modernism um
0: Amos, that's that's cheating that's not a collect you got to pick one okay <laughs> one of them no so
1: i would i would stick i would stick with Nehemiah. yeah
0: yeah um okay well amos thank you very much that's a, a really fascinating chat and, and thank you for sharing your time um with me today
1: my, my pleasure thank you very much george for for the new invitation i really enjoyed it
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to find out more about Amos Goldreich architecture, then please visit the website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com and try out my Instagram page to see the work of all my guests. If you like homes designed for plants, you might like to listen to episode three of the podcast, where I talk to the architect John Elway about his home terrarium house in Brisbane, Australia. You can find the link to play the episode on the podcast website. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode and thank you again for listening.